Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to better understand and defend your faith by thinking biblically, the same way Jesus did it. Today, I am really happy to have two local teenagers with me on the show today, Lizzie and Ellie. They both attend church and love Jesus and are living out their faith every day and very interested in what the Bible has to say about everything. So, Lizzie and Ellie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're super excited. <laughs> One of the things that we were talking about before the show was that you guys are, are kind of the inverse. So, Ellie, you grew up in homeschool and then went to kind of at, at the end of your education, went to a public university. Yeah. And Lizzie, you grew up in a public school, most of your educational background, and then now for college, you're going into a Christian school. And so maybe talk a little bit about what was it like to grow up in a Christian environment, homeschool, you know, getting taught the Bible from people you knew, and then kind of launching into a public university setting. You know, what was that journey like for you? It was, I mean, obviously I haven't lived on the other side of the fence, but <laughs> it was amazing because I was surrounded by my family, who was all Christians, and surrounded by friends. And I was in the Word every day, like all the mm. time. We were praying together and studying the Word together, and it was really, really encouraging. And I think that grounded me in, like, the Bible. And so I had so much knowledge, and I had a really firm foundation so that when I went to a public college, then it was really easy. It wasn't hard, and I could see the things in the world, and I didn't have any doubt or worries, and it was really, really nice. And I wasn't swayed as much by what they had to say versus what I knew was truth. Were the people around you curious, maybe if they didn't come from a Christian background, or maybe Ellie with you, even a homeschool background, were people like, hey, what's that like to be homeschooled, or what's it like to be a Christian, or what's it like to believe in the Bible, or did people just not even care? I think some people definitely were interested, especially with the homeschool aspect, but they weren't <laughs> as interested about like what is it like being a Christian, or what is it like to mm -hmm. know Christ. A few people asked me, but not that many. I don't think they wanted to embarrass themselves by asking mm. in front of other people or just on their own. But mm. They're not not open when you talk to them about it, but mm. it's not like they will search Start it. for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you guys feel comfortable sort of evangelizing people or preaching to people or whatever? Or did you feel like, eh, boy, I don't want to be too like aggressive or what was that like? There were definitely times where I was worried, and I was like, Lord, am I doing this the right way, or the right, like, am I saying the right things? But then I realized that if I'm walking, and I just ask the Lord to give me words to say, and if I don't have anything to say, then I just don't end up saying a lot, unless I feel like, you know, if the Lord tells me to say something, then I'll say something. And normally, I just act like myself. I am always, you know, sharing the Lord with people, and so I'm saying, like, Lord willing, or like, praise the Lord, or different things like that on, throughout my day, and so then people will stop and hear it. And if I like see an opening in a conversation, then I'll start going, but I don't. Hmm. I felt pretty comfortable doing it. I know one of the things that the Bible talks about sharing the word of your testimony, mm. or in 1 Peter 3.15, it 
he talks about, you know, being ready to give people the reason for the hope that you have. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of very you centric. It's not like, Hey, let me just read you this (laughs) old ancient scripture that, you know, and just interpret it for you. How did that play out for you guys in terms of when you did have that opportunity, we're kind of living my life Mm -hmm. normally and people, you know, might've asked, or you've felt like the Holy Spirit was leading you to share with somebody and then did you feel confident because it was your testimony or did you feel like oh I gotta like add Jesus to this and I I gotta pull in the Hebrew and the Greek so they know I'm like for real or (laughs) I think for me the Hebrew and the Greek would really confuse like so many people and I don't even know it well enough where I would feel like confident sharing that in a way that would be convincing but I think that the impact of your personal testimony can go a lot further than like the facts all the time, mm-hmm. I think. And yeah. I, for a while, had a really hard time being like, I'm going to share my testimony because I grew up in a Christian household and my faith kind of just like became something that was important to me over time. It wasn't like some big moment where I heard God speak and like, Lizzie, become a Christian. And yeah. I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so I felt super like, people are not going to think my testimony is cool because they're just going to be like, whatever, that could happen to anyone, Mm. right? And so it's been kind of a balance trying to find like the right things to say. Depending on the person, sharing your testimony might be like, whatever, that's like not that interesting, so. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people get the idea that sharing a testimony is, you know, I used to kill people and then I went to prison and then I found (laughs) Jesus, (laughs) you know, and now I'm like a preacher and they're like, oh, okay. Um, And so when you're like, oh, I just sort of, I never did horrible things and, you know, I grew up in a good family and I just kind of have loved God more and more. I think sometimes just sharing a testimony of I believe strongly in God and I love God and I know he loves me and this is why I think that can be just as powerful as this big story of, you know, Mm -hmm. death to life and darkness to light and things like that. I remember there was, like, a few times where people would ask me, like, questions, not just about the Bible, but, like, even if they asked, like, how did your finals go? And I had a story, like, that the Lord worked through me, you know, different things, or I got to a final and I knew that I knew nothing on the final. (laughs) Or I just barely knew anything or I was, like, flustered. And so I started praying. And then I started knowing things. I was like, oh, I remember this from this part of the book or, you know, different things. And so I got to share with them that, like, micro little testimony. Yeah, that's And then cool. they see it, like, you know, applicable in your life. They're like, oh, whoa, that happened yesterday? Like, that's, like, real? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did. And then it's more, like, applicable. Yeah. Sometimes for apologetics, for us, it's understanding our own questions. We're wrestling with like, man, how could God be just when he does this? Or how could he be loving? Or why did he do this? Or whatever. They're kind of wrestling with your own questions. The other aspect of apologetics is when people ask you, and then you need to describe, if you look at things from a biblical worldview, this is why it makes sense. And this makes a better explanation of reality than other things Mm -hmm. have one of those two aspects resonated with either of you more than the other I think because I grew up in such a strong like we were always reading the Bible and there were our parents were always telling us oh this is what it is you know and we would ask questions like during Bible reading like why is this so you know and they would just give us responses so I didn't have a lot of times where I didn't know within myself like what is the answer to a certain question especially Mm -hmm. the big popular questions I didn't have any 
worry or doubt about any of those. And if I did, I would start praying about it and then I'd be like, oh, this verse. And so that doesn't, you know, matter. Mm. But then when I started like having real apologetics, like, well, I wonder questions. It was from people like my boss or my coworkers or classmates or whatever. And they were asking me and I was like, you know what? I don't know how old the ancient papyrus scripts are. (laughs) And so then I would start like looking. But I think that overall the biggest and most important thing is even though I can give them answers to all these little questions, the biggest thing is that they see Christ and they learn to know the relationship more than the little facts. But the facts Mm. can help them with their relationship too. So you talked a little bit about when you were growing up, you know, your parents would read you the Bible and you guys would discuss it. I know lots of different families approach Mm. that, you know, differently. What did that look like in your family? Mostly in the mornings, like, because we're homeschooled before Mm. we did school. Yeah. Our mom would, we'd all sit in the living room and we would read through a couple of chapters. We would start like whatever in Genesis at the beginning of the year. And then we'd each read like 10, 20 verses each. And we'd just go around until we finished the chapters. And then we'd talk about it. If the questions came up, otherwise we'd finish and then we'd go on with our homeschool. Okay. And then at nights, we would do Bible reading with our dad when he got home. And then that was more of like a question time. So he'd read and he'd ask us questions to make sure we were listening. <laughs> <laughs> and halfway through, he'd just stop and ask someone. And if they weren't listening, they had to listen again. And it's really fun. <laughs> but then we could, would come up with a lot of questions. And he would stop throughout the reading and say, this happened or this like prophecy was fulfilled here Mm. or you can look back in the old testament and see this played out and so he tied in a bunch of stuff throughout the bible reading times how about you lizzie mine was definitely not as frequent (laughs) (laughs) we we had a general like christian upbringing i feel like so holidays like christmas and easter were very very much focused on the true meaning of christmas and easter right and then other you know holidays scattered throughout but we did daily reading i mean my parents just i feel like my parents did more like teaching by example and Mm -hmm. they like read their bible in the mornings and would set aside time to pray and things like that and we would pray before meals and Mm -hmm. pray before like trips and big things like that and just like Prayer was a frequent thing and stuff like that. But it wasn't as much of like a sit down, let's read the Bible together. I definitely had more of those apologetics questions like coming up as a kid. Coming from within. Coming from within. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like especially because I was in public school and there were all of these people who had different religions or no religion, I got really curious about like, well, how do I know my religion is the right religion, right? And so I struggled with that for like a long time trying to find answers to that. So yeah, my apologetics questions got introduced maybe more like my own thoughts about them and then wanting to find answers and less about other people asking me because I didn't really outwardly talk about my faith a ton Mm -hmm. when I was like growing up to other people who weren't Christians. And so yeah, there wasn't as much opportunity for that. And did you find that, you know, for you, Lizzie, specifically, when you had these questions kind of coming up, I remember one of my daughters, what we did is we would read the Bible every night and then we would act out the stories. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the boys especially like, you know, like David and Goliath, and, you know, the soldiers and stuff like that. And then, you know, the girls liked the super creative ones like, okay, how are we going to act out like, you know, Jesus walking on water or parting the Red Sea? And so we'd get pillows and blankets and all this kind of stuff. So super fun. But I remember after one of the battle scene things, one of my daughters, you know, pretty like six or seven, they were like, hey, wait a minute. You know, that whole time, Abba, you were like, so then the bad soldiers came and the good soldiers came and, we, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And God was on the good soldier's side and they defeated the bad soldiers. And they're like, 
how do we know that we're the good soldiers and they're not the good soldiers? Like, how does that work? Mm, and I'm like, so I think that's a very typical question that a lot of kids ask at some point is like, wait a minute, why do I think I'm right? Why do, you know, why do I think my religion is the only religion? So when that very natural thing happened, did you feel like it was a safe place to ask those questions, like with your friends or your teachers or pastors or parents or, or whatever? Or was it like, hmm, I should probably just wrestle with this myself? I kind of asked my pastors sometimes, but like we went to a, a smaller-ish church and I don't know. I just feel like I wasn't like that close with him. Sure, sure. But anyway, I talked to my parents and I remember a particular time when I was like sitting at the dinner table or whatever and my we were just thinking about like, we were just talking about random stuff. I was, like, six, and I asked the question, like, you know, like, I was at school today and just thinking, you know, how do I know that, like, out of all these religions, mine's the right religion? Yeah. And my sister, Catherine, was like, oh, my gosh, and, like, got up and, like, left because she was like, I'm not, I'm like, this is going to be such a long conversation, I don't want to be in this. And I just particularly really remember that, but my parents were very, like... They gave me good answers and gave me just stuff to think about and stuff. They were very open about it, and okay. um, I felt like I had a safe place. A good, that's good. Yeah. Which approach do you think really resonates with you, know, you or people your age, your peers? What way do you think is the most effective that reaches kids where you guys are at in terms of answering questions and helping them understand what the Bible has to say about various topics and such? I think the biggest thing I've found was is making like relationships with people about things and mm. making relationships with people just like on a friendship level, kind of just being their friend. And then you can kind of like work in if you're really passionate about like thinking about these questions, then that'll become part of the friendship. And then you can start to like ask them questions that don't even necessarily bring God in right away. Maybe just more like theoretical questions, like what is good or bad and things like that. Mm. And I found that that's a lot more successful than like just kind Mm -hmm. of spouting out all the time, especially with kids nowadays, I feel like are a lot less interested in just like hearing another person's opinion Mm -hmm. and are more interested in just like building relationship. But then for me, like, at those apologetics events, I have really liked the more interactive, like, learning from your peers kind of thing because it's more applicable to the kind of evangelism through friendship that mm. I've found. So I feel like learning from your peers is then able to be transferred over into the evangelism when you're talking to a non-Christian. Yeah. You bring up a good point, which is how people get information. It seems like with the instant access to information that your generation is just flooded with, how would you describe what you or your friends consider reliable sources of information? You know, what's that look like? What's that dynamic look like in your generation? How do you know what information is reliable? How do you seek good sources of information? Well, I don't know, because I think a lot of people just disregard, like, most information as, like, that needs to be questioned. I feel like there's Mm -hmm. very few things nowadays where people are just like, yep, for sure, I will just take that face value. Especially when it comes to faith, for some reason, which I don't know why that's less believable than other things, but, you know, that's a different (laughs) issue. But I think that there's a big, like, ideal about how information shouldn't just be taken from whatever source. Um, Right. And so Mm -hmm. I don't really know... 
exactly what what do you have to add to that I, don't know I was exactly. thinking that a lot of the people that I've talked to are in from my own experience too so much of the information that I see like on the internet like you were saying yeah so much of it cancels out each other like they're both saying opposite things and they're saying like it's true and you're like well yeah, they yeah. can't both be true <laughs> I feel like a lot of people don't even tr- well I say that I don't think a lot of people don't even trust us on the internet anymore but then you see them living it out because they don't mm. know I think a lot of people don't know if they can trust a lot of things but I think they do trust, like, personal experiences. Like, if you can say, like, or if they see you do something. Like, if they see you living out your faith yeah. and they see the change, that's a lot more like, oh, okay, it's physical. I can see it. It's not just something that I read about. Interesting. And someone, like, turns mm. it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that they get the personal relationships a lot more. And I don't know if this is a good thing necessarily nowadays, <laughs> but I think, I think that because people have such a desire for like being friends I guess they'll trust your friend a lot more I'm sure that that happened in the past but I think they're way more willing to be like I'll trust you if you say that and give like a bias to people who are your friend versus just like random people Mm -hmm. or like even like sources that are pretty reliable I feel like they're more likely to trust like oh I heard it from that person right yeah Mm -hmm. especially when you're like a teenager yeah (laughs) and so when it comes to like evangelism and apologetics I feel like that's a useful tool to like utilize is like oh well if you make friends with them then they might be a little more trusting when you bring in this other source they might be a little more like I'm willing to listen to that because, you yeah. know, you're my yeah. friend and I believe you, so. Hmm. I think a lot of times when they hear, like, oh, you believe the Bible, they don't trust the Bible immediately. But when then they see it, like you're saying, like, in the friendship and the relationship, then they're like, maybe it's true. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying, like, the Bible's real, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It sounds like you brought up a couple of examples, Ellie, of, mm-hmm. you know, my boss or mm-hmm. the person that I'm in the class with at college or whatever, when they asked you questions and did you feel like you had a lot of people and a good network that you could go talk to your, your family, mm-hmm. your parents and things like yeah, that? Yeah, I definitely did. I remember actually after my boss asked me some questions, I came home or I went and talked at my, my grandparents' house first and I was like, mm-hmm. Hey, my boss asked me this question. And they were both like, Oh really? <laughs> and they got all excited and they started like saying, well, we have all these answers and resources. It was, it was great. And so they were like totally on top of it. And then I think I told it to my parents, too, and they were both like, well, if you look at it, and they were both very like, all right, if you look at the Bible and the biblical things, and it was great, because I had really good resources. And then oh, all my friends cool. were like, oh, yeah, we'll be praying for him. And they were immediately like on board and ready to start praying for this person. And yeah, wisdom. it was great. It was oh, really good. That's cool. Do you feel like the church has done a good job of equipping young people to be prepared for the questions that they have either coming within or being asked from the culture around them do you feel equipped and you know hey i got all the tools i need or do you think that there's you know some other approaches that that they could take or we could take to to better arm and equip kids to understand and defend their faith today i don't know because i grew up in such a strong family that i i remember because our family is i mean obviously part of our church that i if i had questions i just went to them afterwards and asked them but in the church, I know, like, we did, while we were reading through the Bible, because we would read through it, and our uncle or whoever was leading it at the time, whatever, would ask us questions and say, like, oh, how did Peter, like, or Jesus or whatever, address the people who were listening to him? Like, how did he respond to the Pharisees or the Sadducees? Who did he work with? Was he with all the rich people all the time, or was he with the low people, too? Yeah. And so they brought up things like that so that we can be prepared to go out. And they did give us, like, answers to questions that people often have but it wasn't always a thing that was always addressed but often 
because our church is very comfortable, the kids would ask in meeting and say, like, why is this true? Mm-hmm. Or what is this for, you know? And then they would explain it then. And so that was good. I don't know that we've done, like, a lot of evangelism work, like the church, like, working on going out and teaching other people. But I know that we do it, like, within our families, mm-hmm. each we do it. So, yeah, for me, I felt like in the small church that we went to, I didn't get hardly anything about that other than like the share your faith but I didn't really Mm -hmm. know like okay share your (laughs) faith what does that mean like what does it look like kind of Mm, thing and then when I was at youth group and like part of a bigger church with their youth group I kind of felt like the same thing I feel like it was really emphasized that I was like okay I need to share my faith but I don't know like how to do that I don't have any tools kind of for that and I feel like that was the message to share my faith was very well like spread I guess but I feel like and everyone needs confidence to be able to like have tools to use and practice and like safe places to practice I guess mm-hmm. and I feel like that was maybe more like I needed to look for that on my own and it wasn't as like it didn't come along straight with the share your faith message how did you end up finding that thing that you needed that you you know you've been successful with so far now I think other peers have encouraged me and have you know I've been like I have a question about this. How do you share your faith? How to, or then like other like youth pastors, if you like approach them like directly or whatever, or, but then I've also gotten plugged into like a couple other, just like apologetics ish kind of groups or just things that people just love to sit around and talk about apologetics and talk about how to share your faith more and having accountability partner. Who's really good. Mm -hmm. is good for that too. So, so kind of organically you sort of Ran into people and ran into yeah. communities that mm-hmm. were doing it well, and you said, hey, I'm here I am, and I'll plug in. It was more like I had to seek it out and less of like, it's right there in my face. Come join if you want to. Right, right. And right. So. Super cool. All right, well, I have mm-hmm. one last question to ask you. It's a little bit of a personal question, and that is this. What is the hardest question that you still struggle with today? I know I have one that I still like day to day I'm like okay I have to remind myself like not but I know that often I'm like why if I mess up or I do something or I get discouraged or quick to answer my siblings not in a nice attitude (laughs) I'm like gonna like repent to be like okay Lord I should not have done that I immediately I'm like man I say I'm sorry to the Lord so many times like if I was perfect it would be so much easier to love the Lord and it would be so much (laughs) like I wouldn't have to say I'm sorry a million times a day And Mm. that still would bug me. I have to remember, well, the Lord forgives you Mm. over and over again. And he wants you to repent. Like I think of it like if my little sister asked me or did something wrong, I would want her to come and say sorry. I would be excited to listen to her say sorry. And I would be excited to help her grow. I wouldn't Mm. just be like, what are you doing? You know, and shove her off, which is often what I think. Like I feel guilty saying sorry again. And so I have to remember, no, like he forgives us over and over again. He's ready to forgive and he's loving. And Mm. I think it's easy in this world and so many people think that God is hard to think that as well when you're not reminding yourself every day of God's love. Mm, that's good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I would say that having a lot of friends who aren't Christian, they live similar lives, they think similar thoughts, you know, and they have similar values kind of as me. And mm. so it's hard for me sometimes to see like how my faith, like I have fulfillment in Christ but then they have fulfillment in other things and our lives look so equal, right? And they look so, like, they both look happy, right? And, like, mm. prosperous. And so it's, sometimes it's hard for me to be like, is my fulfillment a deeper fulfillment? Or is my fulfillment really, like, mm. is it not the same as theirs? And is it going deeper? And mm. will that last? And will theirs not? I don't, just questions around, like, that kind of deep fulfillment and how that looks different between, like, my non-Christian friends and me. 
All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the radio show, and thanks for you know being open and sharing, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Now, how about you? Does that sound like the conversations that you're having with the young people in your life, in your community, in your family? I was so proud of those girls for how they're engaging with their faith, how they're being honest with the questions that they're still struggling with and wrestling through, and yet confident that the Bible has answers to the questions that they have. And so what a joy it was to talk with them. I'm looking forward to our next show. And I just want to encourage you, there are so many people who are who want to engage in their faith, who want to ask hard questions, who want to discuss and wrestle and go to the Bible together. And so if you're not having those conversations, seek them out and be open to the kids who are trying to seek you out to have those conversations. You can also visit our website at theambassadorsforum.com to check out a lot of our helpful resources and different links to how you can have these kinds of apologetics conversations as part of your everyday life. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truths of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 